It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, June 9th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. After the California report gives us an update on the ever-present yet little-felt San Andreas Fault, we hear from the California News Service. They've got unsurprising yet nevertheless unwelcome news for homeowners living in wildfire hazard severity zones. The Father's Day Bluegrass Festival returns to the Nevada County Fairgrounds June 15th through the 18th. KVMR's Felton Pruitt sits down with Pete Luday, the California Bluegrass Association Chairman of the Board. The two talk the triumphant return of now Grammy winner Molly Tuttle and KVMR's role live broadcasting the festival. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Let's start with geology. The Southern San Andreas Fault hasn't generated a major earthquake in 300 years. But why? Well, new research published in the scientific journal Nature explains that might be due to the shrinking of the nearby Salton Sea. Riley Hill, the study's lead author, says the southern San Andreas poses the largest seismic hazard in California because it could severely damage the Los Angeles metropolitan area. Because of the tectonic strain that has accumulated, it is overdue for an earthquake and it is locked and loaded. Now, looking at the geological record, Hill and other researchers found that over the past thousand years, major earthquakes along the fault have occurred six times, when water levels in the Salton Sea were high. It's believed the weight of the water in the lake puts enough pressure on tectonic plates to create seismic activity. There have been plans to restore and maybe even refill the Salton Sea, which as it dries, blows out toxic dust that affects birds and fish, but also nearby communities breathing in the polluted air. But Hill worries about the possible consequences. I would be personally worried that a rapid filling of the Salton Sea might trigger an earthquake. That would worry me. Even though it's nearly impossible for the Salton Sea to be refilled to its historic size, which was several times larger, Hill says it's not just the total volume of the lake that could trigger earthquakes, but the rate at which the sea is filled. After leaders in Redlands and San Bernardino County decided not to fly the rainbow gay pride flag at City Hall this year, they've now officially recognized June as Pride Month in the Inland Empire City. But as KCRW's Matt Gillum reports, tensions remain high over the issue. The proclamation to formally recognize June as Pride Month in Redlands passed unanimously this week. An amended version of this year's declaration notes the city flew the pride flag in June of 2021 and 2022, quote, as a representation of support for the LGBTQ plus community. After the proclamation was made, one public commenter said it felt hollow. The Pride Month proclamation is an important step, but it is not enough. Specifically, to support this proclamation, Mayor, feels like it's performative. While many spoke about what seeing the rainbow flag flying meant to them, others backed the council's previous decision not to raise it on city property. If you allow the pride flag to be flown, how can you say no to another group that would like their flag flown? How can you say which community or which movement is more important than another? How is that fair or inclusive or non-divisive? The flag is stirring passions around Southern California. This week, pride flags at L.A. County facilities were vandalized, and the Orange County supervisors voted to limit what banners could be flown at OC properties. For the California Report, I'm Matt Gillum. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. 
Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and adult and children's health systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report Magazine. This week, it has a tribute to musical legend Chris Strockwitz, who passed away last month in Marin County at the age of 91. Strockwitz was the founder of Arhuli Records, and he traveled the country to make field recordings of music performed by cotton pickers, janitors, and other working people. Before he died, his longtime friends and collaborators, the Kitchen Sisters, produced a documentary about his life. Chris Strockwitz is a man possessed, a song catcher capturing and recording the traditional regional down-home music of America, his adopted home, after his family left Germany at the close of World War II. Chris Strockwitz is a keeper. His vault is jam-packed with 78s, LPs, 45s, reel-to-reels, cassettes, videos, an archive of all manner of recordings and an avalanche of Lifetime Achievement Awards from the Grammys, the Blues Hall of Fame, the National Endowment for the Arts, for some 60 years of recording and preserving the musical cultural heritage of this nation. Let's go hunting with hunters. I was listening to Hunter Hancock's program over KFVD in Los Angeles. By the mid-50s, I was a total Lightning Hopkins fan. It's the same radio station that Woody Guthrie played on back in the 30s. Have you ever loved a woman? Man better than you did yourself. When I went to UC Berkeley in 54, I had met Sam Charters. Sam was working on his book, The Country Blues, you know, the very first blues book. I got a postcard from him. Chris, I found Lightning Hopkins. He lives here in Houston, Texas. And so I literally took a pilgrimage, took a Greyhound to Houston, and Mac McCormick took me to meet Lightning. Just a little beer joint, you know. Lightning was singing this amazing blues that's totally made up on the spot about how it had been raining and how his shoulder was aching and how his car almost didn't get there because he couldn't see the chuck holes in the road. But he rhymed it all up. And then he pointed his hand. Oh, this man come all the way from California just to hear Paul Lightning sing. Max said, you have a car and you've got your recorder. Why don't we go up the country? and see if we can find, there must be a lot of these singers like Lightning. I said, I better start doing some detective work. And I saw people in a field next to the highway, you know, so we stopped. Do you know of any good guitar pickers in these parts? And if you've been intrigued, you can hear more about the musical life of Chris Drockwitz on this week's California Report magazine. Tune in on many public radio stations or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And that's the California Report for Friday, June 9th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Brendan Willard, Danny Bringer, Catherine Monahan, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Izzy Bloom and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Erica Kelly. Our vice president of news is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend. The California News Service has unsurprising yet nevertheless unwelcome news for homeowners living in wildfire hazard severity zones. Details ahead. It is getting increasingly expensive to have a home on the edge of the woods in California in terms of home value and insurance costs. A new study from the nonprofit think tank Resources for the Future finds that home values in a fire hazard severity zone drop 4.3 percent, an average of $21,500, when sellers make the required disclosure. Margaret Walsh is a co-author of the report. We want to know that people understand the risk when they choose where to buy a house. And if they do know the risk, we would expect expect them to be reflected in the prices. Walls says to mitigate the risk of a destructive wildfire, local governments can limit building in the urban wildland interface. The state and federal governments can reduce the fuel load on public lands. Homeowners can remove brush and other flammable materials, make sure building materials are fire resistant, and build in defensible space. Two large insurance companies, State Farm and Allstate, just announced they are no longer writing new homeowners policies in California, in large part due to the risk of wildfire. Walls says the effects of climate change are taking a financial toll. If you're in a high fire risk area, it's already hard to get insurance. So now two more companies are unavailable to you. So you'll probably end up going to the fair plan, considered insurance of last resort. The fair plan is a state-run risk pool that offers fire insurance in high-risk areas that are not served by traditional insurers. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Let's take a look at today's local news. Early this morning, a rock slide came down at Donner Pass Road on Old Highway 40 between Sugar Bowl and Truckee. According to a Truckee, California Highway Patrol Instagram post, long-term closures are expected on the road due to significant damage. Ubinet reports homeowners will be allowed through the area. The Nevada County Board of Supervisors has dubbed June 2023 Celebration of Trails Month. The purpose? To bring attention to what they say are the incredible benefits trails provide local residents and visitors. As part of the celebration, the county is launching the new Nevada County Trail Finder app to help users discover public access trails in the area. The mobile responsive app utilizes geographic information systems datasets that identify managing agencies, surface types, and permitted uses, like hiking, biking, equestrian, and off-highway vehicles. You can download the new Trail Finder app at nevadacountyca.gov recreation. Nevada County Public Works starts repairs and servicing along Dog Bar Road, Cary Drive, Bobcat Court, and Cougar Court in Grass Valley, and Gold Country Drive in Penn Valley. They'll be working on the project from Monday, June 12th through mid-August. Motorists will have access throughout construction, but the Public Works Department recommends planning for 20-minute delays from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday due to one-lane traffic controls. 
As previously reported on KVMR, the Bureau of Land Management plans to conduct prescribed fire operations in the Inium Forest, located east of North Columbia in Nevada County. The Inium Forest is a patchwork of 10 different BLM parcels which sit nestled on the San Juan Ridge. The burn operations were scheduled to start on Wednesday, June 7th, and may continue through June 16th. The prescribed burns will attempt to tackle 158 acres in the area of Jackass Flats Road and McNabb Cypress Road. Smoke may be visible from Nevada City, Camptonville, and the Upper Ridge area. And lastly, the 55th annual Humbug Day takes place this Saturday, June 10th, at Malakoff Diggins State Historic Park. The festivities include old-time music, living history building tours, hydraulic monitor demonstrations, and the world's shortest parade in this hometown homecoming celebration. Let's take a look at your forecast from the National Weather Service. Heavy rainstorms are forecast in the Sierra Nevada and foothills this weekend, and those rainstorms bring chances of thunderstorms in their wake, says meteorologist Katrina Hand. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 54 degrees. Saturday, partly sunny with a high near 76. A 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Saturday night, mostly cloudy with a low around 56 degrees. Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 76. A 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms after 11 a.m. Sunday night sees that same chance of showers stick around. The evening will be mostly cloudy with a low around 55 degrees. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 41 degrees. Saturday, partly sunny with a high near 66. Saturday night could see some of the storms produce heavy rain. It'll be mostly cloudy with a low around 41 degrees. Sunday, mostly cloudy with a high near 67. Chance of precipitation increases to 60%. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 54 degrees. Saturday, partly sunny with a high near 83. Sunday, partly sunny with a high near 82, and a small chance of showers and thunderstorms. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Summer music festival season is upon us, and KVMR's Felton Pruitt's here to let us in on KVMR's next live festival broadcast. Next week, another great music festival comes to the Nevada County Fairgrounds as the California Bluegrass Association's Father's Day Bluegrass Festival hits the fairgrounds from June 15th through June 18th. With us, we have the chairman of the board, Pete Luday. Thank you for joining us, Pete. Great to be here. Thank you for inviting us. So, boy, do we have a great festival coming up. I've been looking at the lineup, and you've got some of my favorites there. We really think so. It's been a really joy to put this together this year. and We have some of the top names in bluegrass music from around the country, really, but a lot of California featured bands and some terrific headliners. Let's start with Rhonda Vincent. I've been working with Rhonda for, gosh, 25 years now, and she's still one of the biggest names in bluegrass. She absolutely is, uh, has the nickname of the Queen of Bluegrass, and she brings a wonderful traditional sound. She doesn't make it out to California very often, so we're really excited to have her back at the festival. Also performing is going to be someone that kind of grew up at the fairgrounds during the Father's Day Bluegrass Festival, Molly Tuttle. Absolutely. You're super excited about having Molly Tuttle and her band Golden Highway performing on our main stage. As many of you know, Molly started coming to this festival when she was 10 years old which was 20 years ago, and 
has a lot of fans from back in those days. She was a wonderful person, a superb musician, banjo player, guitar player, vocalist, songwriter. And since those days, she went on to win multiple years as the IBMA's Guitar Player of the Year for the International Bluegrass Music Association. And just a few months ago, she won the Grammy for Best Bluegrass Album. And so this is her triumphant return to her roots at the Nevada County Fairgrounds. And of course, Molly has a tune about the festival called Grass Valley. Exactly. How many bluegrass festivals have a Grammy award-winning tune written about it? So we're very proud of that. And I have a hunch she's probably going to play that song um, during one or both of her sets on Friday and Saturday night. It's going to be a real special moment. That's a pretty good hunch, Pete. (laughs) Also performing is Blue Highway uh, with our old pal Tim Stafford and Wayne Taylor playing with him. Yeah, they don't make it out here very often either. We're very fortunate to be able to get them to come out, and um, it's going to be a terrific show with uh, Tim and uh, and the band, um, Wayne Taylor's in there. So um, it's a lot of fans, and um, they're going to have a lot more fans after more people hear them. Pete, I'll bet you know how many years the Father's Day Bluegrass Festival has been happening at the fairgrounds in Grass Valley. How many? Um, we started back in 1976 was our first one, so this is a 48th anniversary of the Father's Day Bluegrass Festival. Of course, there was a couple of frustrating years where we couldn't be there in person and had to do online activities for Father's Day during the pandemic. But uh, we're delighted to be back last year and this year, and this is going to be our best one ever. And uh, for at least the last 30-something years, you've invited KVMR in there to be part of your uh, festival. Absolutely. KVMR is a key part of it. They're uh, broadcasting much of it live from the booth there, and um, just could stop by and say howdy to them. And People that are not already KVMR members could join up. And, of course, you could also join up to be a CBA member while you're there. Yeah, it's just a fun time, a great tradition that's been going on forever. And the fairgrounds is as beautiful as it's been for years and years and years. We just uh, we just had another festival there, and there's festivals that happen there all summer long. But it's a real special one because you guys have been, you guys are kind of like the grandfathers of the festivals at the fairgrounds in Grass Valley. It's one of the most beautiful spots to hold a festival. We're so proud to be part of Nevada County and uh, and the community there to be able to bring on this festival. And we think ours is really distinctive in, in some ways. There's a lot of good festivals there. Ours tends to have a lot more um, musicians that show up as fans. So there's jamming going on all night, free workshops, huge youth programs, lots of interaction between the stage talent and all the people that are out there and camping. So it does really provide a very uh, magical environment for the music fan. We're talking with Pete Luday. He's the chairman of the board for the California Bluegrass Association, who are bringing their Father's Day Bluegrass Festival to the fairgrounds in Grass Valley. Coming up next week, June 15th through the 18th. How can people get tickets and find out more information, Pete? Oh, you can go to fathersdayfestival.com to get all the information about it. Hey, that's much simpler. It used to, you used to have trouble. It used to be like CBA on the web or whatever, but Father's Day Festival works much easier. We're getting a little bit more sophisticated. You can still get to it through the californiabluegrass.org or some of our other URLs. But for those people that just want to go and learn about our festival, fathersdayfestival.com will take you right there. You'll see about the bands, the camping, the tickets, and all that stuff. Now, of course, there's camping, but then there's the summer music camp, which actually starts much earlier than the festival. Why don't you tell people about that? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a separate event, but it happens to be at the same location just before the festival. And we have around 250 people that come out to learn instruments in small, intimate classes with instructors. In fact, many of the instructors, or most of them, are actually 
going to be performing on the main stage later. So if you uh, really like that mandolin player and not in your favorite band, then you could take a lesson on how to play mandolin from those people the week before. And that starts Sunday, the 11th, and uh, goes through Wednesday. And then the festival takes over on Thursday. And uh, there's a lot of information about that, too, on the website. So if you're coming to the music festival, which starts on the 15th, uh, what's the camping situation? When can you get in? When can you get in line? Yeah, so actually the doors will be open starting Sunday, the 11th, because we do take over the fairgrounds to have our music camp there. And we do have a number of fans that come in and just set up a camp, even uh, just you know pre-festival camping, we call it. We charge a few bucks for um, the uh, campsites, uh, either for RVs or for tents. But uh, it's accessible for people to come in that are going to be attending the festival uh, as early as Sunday the 11th, if you want to set up your camp. And all that info is on your website. It is indeed. Very good. Now, what else do you want people to know about this year's festival, this year's Father's Day festival? Well, I think it's going to have some of the best music we've been able to bring into the Nevada County Fairgrounds in many years. Uh, there's a, a really broad diversity of bands, old-time music, Americana music. We have Jake Blout, who's going to bring some of the African-American traditions of string band music into our festival. We have five featured California bands um, that are going to be joining all the others. And we have about 17 bands on the Vern stage, which is a smaller, intimate one to expose people to bands they um, you know, from local neighborhoods they may not have heard before. As I said, fantastic youth programs. There's a youth academy there where kids actually learn from instructors or a kids on bluegrass stage program. Uh, about 30 different workshops held during the four days of the festival where you could uh, hang out and learn little things for an hour uh, with your favorite instructors. Uh, no cost to, for that at all. And uh, tons of good camping and jamming. What's there not to love with all that? And then there's also the late night jamming in the campgrounds, too, which is uh, historic there. Yeah, it goes on all night, and it's uh, delightful to see some of those uh, artists that you saw out from Nashville that were on the main stage, and all of a sudden they show up next to a campsite playing along with all the uh, amateurs that um, are just superb musicians that are there. We've been talking with Pete Luday. He's the chairman of the board for the California Bluegrass Association. They're bringing their Father's Day Bluegrass Festival to the Nevada County Fairgrounds in Grass Valley over there on McCourtney Road, uh, June 15th through the 18th. That's next Thursday through Sunday, which is Father's Day. Very appropriate. Thank you for all the information, Pete. We wish you the best. Thank you so much. Great to be here. That's our newscast for this Friday, June 9th. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Fur Traders, downtown Nevada City since 1973, now under new local ownership. Offering leatherware, also premium footwear brands, from casual to colorful, with expanded offerings in men and women's clothing. BroadStreetFurTraders.com Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend.